Welcome to the show where my friends and I tell real world stories of other world magic. My name is Peyton and I'm into it. Welcome, everybody, uh, to this episode of I'm Into It. My name is Peyton Turner, and um, my guest today is actually myself. <laughs> and I'm going to be interviewed by my partner, um, like a fantastic human being, and just all around general great guy, Peter Buecher. So welcome, Peter. Thank you. It's quite, quite, it's the, quite the introduction there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is so fun um, for me. I um, the tables are being turned on me, and I'm actually like really, ner- <laughs> really nervous, and I'm really, really excited, and I'm also like super grateful for you being willing to to step in and be interviewer. Yeah, no, I think it's great, and I think it's great for your um, it's great for your audience to get more of your story from that perspective. So. Uh, I'm happy to do it. I only hope I do it justice. So yeah, I think it'll be all good. So I uh, just, I guess, take it away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Awesome. So um, yeah. So it, it's interesting when I look back on um, the story of of Peyton and I, how we met, and um, sort of the journey to here. It's it's interesting. Like we crossed paths in the medical world many many years ago, but had very little interaction with one another other than the occasional uh, um, sideline uh, conversation in the doctor's lounge or something like that. But mostly with, through my colleagues, you you were talking to other people and I was sort of peripheral. Like, I don't know that we had many face-to-face conversations back then, but then we're sort of introduced through a mutual friend once again. And, and um, I think from that point forward, and that's been a, a couple of years ago now, uh, from that point forward, it's kind of been obvious that our, our paths were increasingly crossing um, uh, in, in deeper ways. So really excited to be here, excited to um, be on this journey, excited to be in this episode with mm-hmm. you. Um, so um, maybe uh, we just start off with you talking about, um, I know that you and I have talked a lot sort of privately or offline about your sort of journey into spirit, like how this, this work sort of presented itself to you and maybe how, um, and I think as it happens for a lot of people, um, there's some level of, um, maybe resistance to that, or maybe it's just that you don't recognize that that's the call that's coming in. So maybe just we'll prime this conversation with a little bit of background of how you got to sort of awakened to this call of spirit and, and how you sort of started to step into that. Sure. What that meant uh, to you at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I get asked all the time, um, like, how did I know that I was intuitive? How did I know that I, and I think every medium, every psychic, every intuitive um, who's actively practicing um, their connection with spirit um, and being of service in that way at some point gets asked, how, how did you know? And really, truly, I can look back and say, as a small child, now looking back on it, I can say that's where I knew, that's where it all began, um, with really powerful dreams that would come true, with um, being an empath and being able to pick up on the emotions of other people around me, um, and just thinking that that was just the way that I was and not knowing that it was anything you know, different or special or you know, woo-woo or psychic or whatever. Um, and I'd always been, uh, I've always been really fascinated by ghost stories when I was little. And um, I loved reading books and st- I'd stay up late at night um, and read a, this one book. And I don't even remember what it was, but it was about like real ghost stories, like ghost sightings and stuff. And just being so fascinated and like half terrified, half fascinated um, at the possibility that people's spirits can go on after our physical body dies. Yeah. Um, And I can also look back and remember times where I was acutely aware that um, there were some unseen things in the room that I could pick up on and, um, and that just, I could remember the feeling in my body. Um, But that was just all stuff that was really interesting and, and just a fascination more of anything else. And I didn't really practice that other than just being interested in, you know, ghost stories and spirituality and and things of the nature. Um, 
for me, really in college, um, the dreams started to get very specific. So I started to have predictive dreams and, um, and they would kind of come and go. Um, I would have a period of time where like for months I'd have these dreams, predictive dreams, and then things would happen within, you know, weeks to days after the dream. And then I could go for years without having anything. Are there any um, that specifically stand out to you that you would like to share? I think those, that's a really interesting thing. Cause I think a lot of people have them and yeah. maybe don't recognize that they're having them or maybe yeah, questioning was, if that's even a thing. There were, yeah. The one that sticks out like loud and clear is, um, and it's, and it was actually, they can be very scary because for me, the way that they showed up, they were always predicting something that I would call at the time bad. Um, I, I try not to call anything good or bad. I love the, the, the quote from Shakespeare, which is nothing is either good nor bad until thinking makes it so. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we connotate um, death. We, you know, we equate death with something bad or something terrible. And so a lot of my dreams were about either people getting sick or people dying. And so it was my freshman year in college and I was, I went to school at a, a small place in Virginia and I lived on a, a dorm hallway that was all girls. <clears throat> and I had three, actually there were four dreams, three nights in a row. The dreams were all about people drowning. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was um, like a little boy, like I think it was a little um, African-American boy that I didn't know. I mean, that I just, I walked up and somebody had pulled him out of the water and he, he had died from drowning. And then the next night it was um, somebody that I knew, like a guy, kind of on campus that I knew and, and that he had drowned. And then the next night it was, it was something else. Somebody else had drowned. And then there was a space of nothing one night with nothing. And then the fourth night I dreamed that my grandmother had died. Gaga, the one, the only grandmother I've ever known. And I vividly remember like walking up to her casket and seeing a quilt laid over her. And I, and I woke up like terrified that all of these dreams meant that something was going to happen to her. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, of course I called her and she was fine and everything was fine. And then I think it was maybe just a few days later, um, there was a girl on our hall who none of us were really um, close to. She was kind of, um, she was kind of a little bit of an outsider and introvert. Um, And she had finally found a group of friends, not, not with us on our hall, but a group of friends that she really um, identified with. And, um, and it finally kind of come into her own, own <clears throat> excuse me, this was kind of in the spring, <clears throat> excuse me, on my fresh, freshman year. And she had gone hiking at, you know, I went to school in this place in Virginia, which had beautiful mountains in the Shenandoah Valley. And she had gone hiking with her friends, this new group of friends, and she just found a boyfriend and it was amazing. And, you know, just really finally happy. And um, she slipped and fell um, over a waterfall and, um, and, got knocked out, I think, and drowned in the pool below. And um, by the time her, um, her friends could get down to her, she was gone. Mm. Um, oh, gosh, just get chills thinking about it. But that, yeah. that for me was just like, holy crap. Um, yeah. that, that was a big like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely connected somehow. But, you know, I was a freshman in college, and I just, I was really into doing a freshman in college things. So um, I knew it was important and it was a little scary. And I knew that it was also, there was a sense of um, that it was sacred too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after, after the trauma and everything was over and, you know, and we came home for the summer and then went back the next year, just kind of forgot about it basically. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I know that's a, that's a, a painful story, but I think it's really, um, it's really helpful for people to illustrate that. Yes it doesn't always look like you have these dreams. It's not always necessarily the person or the situation, but, but these dreams have meaning. And I think a lot of people have them. I hear this question, you know, like, is that even a thing? Does that really happen? Am I really, am I crazy? No, it's, you know, I mean, it can drive you crazy, I guess, if you're not careful, but it's important to understand that, yeah, these things happen. And, and, um, uh, so I really appreciate you sharing that at some point. Um, I'm going to flash forward a little bit at some point with this uh, intuitive um, work, a lot of times we were sort of sucked into it at some point, like you recognize you kind of very nicely pointed out how, yeah, you knew you kind of had this, you knew this was sort of a thing for you. You knew that you had this ability, these tendencies, 
whatever. But at some point, you kind of get pulled into it as actual work or maybe just into a deeper exploration. Mm-hmm. And often that's described as a displacement in the shamanic world. Of course, they call this like an initiation mm-hmm. uh, or a dismemberment that, that serves as um, maybe an invitation into the work. So talk to me about that a little bit. What, what point was it that you sort of knew that oh, I'm being called into this as something actually I'm going to do maybe to help other people or to deepen my own path? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amalgamation of a lot of things that happened at a specific time in my life. And I um, was in my 30s. I was in, at the time, an abusive relationship that turned into an abusive marriage. And um, really, I... Um, I, I got sick. I got physically sick. Um, and looking back on it now, I know that the reason why I got physically sick was because I was actually ignoring my own intuition. I would not, I was, um, I was not listening to that tiny voice inside of me that, that was telling me that things weren't right in my world, in my life. Um, and the things that weren't right were the relationship that I was in that was abusive, but I was stuck in that cycle and I couldn't see it, but deep down inside, I knew it. And, um, and my whole, you know, looking back on it now, I can say, you know, I, I really ignored my own intuition and veered further and further and further off this path of alignment with my own personal truth that my physical, the stress of that, like manifested itself in my physical body. And I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, um, And, you know, I did all the right things. I mean, at the time I was practicing medicine, I was doing cardiac surgery, which was a high stress job. I had a lot of stress in my life and other, other areas. And, um, and I knew that stress played a role in autoimmune disease and I have a history of autoimmune disease in my family, but I just, I just knew that it wasn't freaking right. I mean, I knew that it wasn't right. I didn't understand why my body was attacking itself. And, um, and so I, I really, I, I did everything my doctors, you know, told me to do. I started the medication, but that's really all that they could offer was, uh, you know, was the thyroid issue. So they re- offered thyroid replacement hormone, um, which helped, but I was like, okay, well, that's great. But that's also like a bandaid on a bullet wound. Like I want to like get down to the root cause of why this is happening. And so I poured through like, um, you know, the internet looking for things that in the diet and I found about out about leaky gut and I found out about, you know, nutritional deficiencies and all these things and started to try to reduce the stress in my life, knowing that the stress was a big player. Um, you know, had a conversation with my cardiac surgery team about this is too stressful. You know, I need to, we need to figure something out and ultimately ended up leaving that job for one that was way less stress. Um, mm-hmm. And And so that was kind of like my jolt into, okay, I really got to look at the root cause. And then finally, one day I realized, actually it wasn't just one, it was one day, but it was, there was a big lead up to it. Um, I realized that um, I was actually like kind of getting attacked on a daily basis in my relationship or allowing myself to be attacked. Um, And that my physical body was kind of mimicking what was happening in my external world. Um, so that was kind of like a light bulb aha moment where I finally felt reconnected to my own intuition. And at this time, at that moment, I was not willing to um, squash my intuition. I knew that I had to follow it. Yeah. I just knew, I knew if I, it was, it was life or death for me at that moment, you know, all the times up until then I, I had, I had, when I'd followed my intuition and I felt like I was on the right path, you know, the abuse would get worse. And then I, and then I get beat down again and I'd squash it and beat down and squash, beat down squash. But that moment was like, I knew it was, it was a do or die. Either I really truly listen to my gut instinct and follow my intuition and do what I know to be right for me in this moment, or I'm going to die eventually from this. I think that's a great, it's a great uh, point because the displacement a lot of times isn't like a physical displacement, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's an emotional shift that happens that tells you there is no going back. Like there's no going back to where I was before. That's and so right. often that, that, that displacement or that dismemberment or that initiation starts to happen. It, it often, I mean, I, I think always, probably, I don't want to say always, but virtually always probably starts on an emotional level mm-hmm. um, before something really drastic physical happens, whether or not we're recognizing that yeah. or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I, I just, there was a lot of emotional stuff that, that happened up until that point. And, um, 
Yeah, but I just very clearly remember it was like all of a sudden everything like like all the all the cogs of the wheels fit into each other perfectly and everything clicked together and it was like ding. Okay. It didn't mean that that from that point forward was going to be any easier. Um, but it was easier. It was easier because at least now I was reconnected to like what I called like the pilot light of my soul. Like I knew I wasn't willing to sacrifice that anymore. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was really the big moment for me. And then, so then I, you know, I got out of the marriage and, um, you know, shortly thereafter, um, I started really getting curious about intuition in general. And, um, I met with a wonderful woman here in my hometown and she kind of taught me how to do, um, medium readings and psychic readings. And that really just kind of, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I just started studying, 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 and, um, and I just like eating it all up as much as I could. So, and that's, that's really how I kind of got into it. Yeah. And the journey of this work now from that point, when you really kind of got eaten up with it and realized this is, this is helping me and this might help other people. And you're kind of getting really into that. Um, uh, you kind of have a story of, of though, what happens when you get too consumed with it. I don't know if you want to share that. Um, (laughs) but I think it's, it's, it's funny now, but it's also, I think, um, to show you like, you know, yeah, you get into this stuff, but it, it's serious business. So, so yeah, I, thanks for bringing that up. And I don't, I don't mind sharing it. Like I'm a total open, open book. And I don't even think that you and I knew each other at this point, but, um, and it's funny because what, what happened to me is what I see happen to so many of the women with whom I work and the clients that I've had is that once the light bulb goes off, it's like, you've, you've been living in the dark for so long that once you see the light, you're like, Oh my God, I got to get more light, you know? And so there's this pendulum swing of like being on one side of just, of just total darkness. And then you, woof, then you swing all the way over to total lightness. And, and really we're trying to find like a middle ground. But for me, I had been living in what felt like total darkness for so long. And then I, you know, got free of that relationship. I was feeling better. My body was starting to heal. And I really was diving into the intuitive work And I just was so excited by it. And I kept taking it in and taking it in and taking it in. And and here's the thing about the intuitive work. You are opening your physical body up to um, really high vibrating energy. And it takes some acclimation. It's almost like you're trying to climb at, like I was trying to climb Everest on the first try without adapting to the altitude. Um, yeah, so, analogy. Yeah. yeah. And so what, and so what really happened was, um, I was out in Colorado visiting, um, my good friend, Virginia, and we were supposed to go to a, a concert and we were, um, at Red Rocks and I, we were in the whole foods, um, and we were all dressed out in our concert gear and really excited. I mean, it's like one of the whole reasons why I was out there. And, um, and I remember when I walked into the whole foods, I didn't feel very good. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And then um, walking down the beverage aisle, I kept thinking, I just want to get some spritzers. <laughs> and I was looking at the rows of cans and all of their colors and their shininess in the, in the lights of the Whole Foods. And that's the last thing I remember. And the next thing I remember, um, I, I, I remember the ambulance doors closing and Virginia standing on the outside of the ambulance looking at me um, as the ambulance doors closed. And what had happened was um, I, I had what looked like a seizure, what I believe it to be now, everything completely cleared. Like I, there was nothing, all yeah. of my, all of the imaging, all the lab work, everything was fine. Um, but what it looked like was a seizure. And I think what happened, um, if I were to put a medical term on it, I had a like a vasovagal syncopal episode, which means my blood pressure sure. dropped and I just passed out. Um, from an energetic perspective, um, it was a giant computer reboot. Yeah. Or, or Kundalini rising, whatever. I mean, it was just kind of like, it was, it was spirit's way of saying, all right, you got to slow down. Like you're taking in too much. Yeah. I think it's interesting because a lot of people get into this, you know, and for you, I think the point is like, you know, this was a tremendous um, practice of liberation for you. Like this was a, a tremendous act of self-care. Like you, you started honoring yourself, honoring your truth, honoring your deeper inner wisdom. You started, your body started responding. You were taking care of yourself with your diet and all these things. And it was kind of like, this is a really good thing. It's leading me to really good places, but then there's also a balance to be struck. You also need self-care on the other side. I also need to ground down and, and take this thing in doses as opposed to just fully. And even now, and I know that as your, as your intuitive practice and your coaching practice and, and the work that the healing work that you're doing with people now, it's really important to you 
to, to be able to get into that really kind of high vibe, intuitive, spiritual place. But also, I know how important it is to you to really ground down and, and, and to really ground into your human element and, and take care of yourself. So maybe just talk about that for people as maybe people who are just getting into this mm-hmm. or people who maybe even for seasoned veterans, I think a lot of times, I think we see it all the time, people that have been at this stuff for a long time who don't take the time to really ground down. It's like they can get so far off into the woo, so to speak, that uh, it, it's hard to relate to reality and it's hard yeah. to, to uh, for them to relate to, to people who might need their services. So talk to me for just a second about the importance of what you've learned about that, the importance of grounding down and kind of staying in that, in that space. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it is a definite practice. It is not a perfection. Um, the way I kind of, I kind of see myself in duality a lot and I see the world in duality and and I know the world doesn't exist in duality, but that's just kind of one of the filters that through which I look. Um, And for me, when I'm speaking of duality for myself, I'm thinking of my spirit self and then my human self. Um, And so I um, there's a, there's, you have to honor both. And when you get too caught up, you know, it's, it's the, um, it's the balance between the two. When you, when you're too heavily in the human piece, um, then we get stuck in ego. We get stuck in materialism. We get stuck in um, attachment to outcome. um, And that can be really heavy. Um, On the other side, when we're too stuck in the, in the spirit, you're completely detached from what I want to call reality. Um, you're completely detached from society and you're floating around in this, you know, beautiful place, but it, you know, things can fall apart very easily there too, because you're still living in a human body. So there's, there's a, there's a fine line balance that I try to walk between the two. And the experience in whole foods was really, um, an eye-opening experience for me. Um, I still struggle with, you know, I really want to honor spirit. I want to honor all my guides. They, they are, I get really clear messages, really clear visions, really clear instructions from them on what to do with my business, with my health, with my personal life and all these things. And I really want to honor that. And I also have to honor my human self. Um, I I ultimately have to take everything that my, my spirit guides say to me and everything that spirit and the woo woo stuff says, and I have to filter it through my human self and still follow my own intuition about what's right for me. So that for me is where, is where the balance, the balance happens. And, um, you know, my friend Ronnie and I were talking about this the other day, like, what's the difference between your intuition and your spirit guides? Well, um, theoretically they're all the same. We're all coming from, from, source energy, which is all the same. And they're not, they're separate. And so your spirit guides are compassionate and they're there to offer suggestions. And ultimately I think that they see the bigger picture for you, but you still have to do what you feel is right for you in the moment Yes, to honor your human peace. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's a good point. Um, I think one, one thing that I've really come to appreciate and, and um, maybe sort of believed or thought on a cognitive level before, but the deeper I've gotten into this stuff, the more experiential it has become, which is of course where the real juice is, is that it's not about what's real and not real or what's in that world versus it's, it's really, it's multiple planes of the same reality, right? It's multiple dimensions of the same reality playing out all at the same time, which is a huge concept until you really experience it. And then it's like, Oh, well, it's just, there's these different, um, versions of these different levels of what we call reality and we can tap into it at different times and sometimes that might look like the quote-unquote future sometimes that might look like spirit guide realm sometimes that might feel like intuition but really all these things are sort of happening simultaneously and i think um uh that's an important you know the image that's coming in for me as you describe it that way is is something that i don't know anything about personally but i have friends and acquaintances that do it's people who have multiple homes like yeah. physical homes. So they've got their primary home where they live. And then they've got a vacation home in Florida and a vaca- vacation home in Colorado or whatever. And they talk about um, how difficult it is to maintain all of the different homes. And, and that to me is, is like kind of like what spirit is, is like, I've got my, my Peyton home that I'm currently living in. And then I have all these other worlds, all these other homes that are also my home um, and, there and I have to, to go right they're there. If I choose to go, I need to take care of them. There's maintenance that's required. Yes. Um, I need to, ch- I need to check in often. 
Um, but ultimately, the 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 you you can only, just like to quote you, you can only be where your feet are. And so, the most of the attention I try to give to the home where I am currently. Yes, and then in, with through acts of intention or through acts of ritual, then you can enter the other homes. You can enter the realm of the spirit guides, or you can really tap into your own deeper inner wisdom in the moment. But yep. Creating some structures around that is is often important for that very reason. It's it's a way of traveling, so to speak, mm-hmm. to that to that other home. Mm-hmm. Um, your work, since you kind of got into this, your work has really evolved from mm-hmm. where you started, what you thought you were going to be doing, to what it is you're kind of now sort of starting to unleash into the world. So maybe just give maybe give the audience a little bit of a perspective on what you thought you were doing, where you began, and where that's led you to today, and maybe some perspective on what that might lead you to down the road, I think. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, so um, I I was working for a cardiology group um, when I started to dive into the spirit work. And once I got really into the spirit work and I was still seeing patients on a regular basis, I started to really be able to see that the healing that needed to happen was not happening um, in the capacity that I could give it as a physician assistant in cardiology. So I could prescribe medications, I could do all these things, and those were great, but that the real true healing was on a much deeper spiritual level. And at the time, I was also like writing a book and writing a blog about um, how to follow your own intuition to get out of an abusive relationship, because that was fresh on my mind. It was something that was really important to me. Um, And so I just was putting all these things together. And ultimately, what I ended up doing was leaving my medical practice and starting a business coaching women to help them find their truth again. Um, Most of my clients um, up until this point have experienced some sort of abuse. And so it's been a, it's been a beautiful journey with these women of teaching them um, how to look at their ego, how to look at their truth, how to function from a place of truth instead of ego, the language around that, like when, when you're actually talking to people and when you're walking out into the world, into a a business environment or a work environment or a family environment or friendships, how to change your language just so that you're coming from your truth and teaching them how to trust their own intuition again. And that's been like super fulfilling. Um, I, originally backstepping when I started to get into the intuitive stuff and I was still practicing medicine, I wanted to do medical mediumship. Um, but then the, the, the coaching kind of took precedent and that felt like the right thing to do. And so I put the medical mediumship on, on, on the back burner, but I really studied that for, for a while. Now it's come back into um, my frame of view and it's become obvious that it's really, really important work. And specifically, I think my work is shifting now and it's still, I'm, I'm, I'm being reverent to spirit and, and letting it come in um, instead of trying to go after it. I'm just letting it come in because we don't want another whole foods episode. So I'm just letting it come in. And, um, but what it's looking like is that the work is now one-on-one with women, but who have an autoimmune disease um, and really truly being a guide for them for, for an, like a year like a big investment of, yeah. uh, of time and energy and, and, and pulling in all of my resources and everything that I've learned through medicine, through spirit, through yoga, through therapy, through um, acupuncture, through my shamanistic practice, um, really pulling all of that together and, and helping, helping these women who are really ready to do the deep dive. And getting um, that real-time information from spirit, from the physical, from the mental. And be, having it be spirit-guided, like a perfect balance yes. between spirit-guided and, and, and my own intuition helping to guide them. And ultimately, the goal is to empower people to be able to do this on their own. So, yes. you know, but it just, I, I wish that I had had somebody like me or somebody like that when I got diagnosed. Yes. I've, I've been very fortunate that I've um, been able to piece together a beautiful healing team of people that have come across my path um, at just the right time. Um, and I want to turn around and make that available for other women. So yeah, and we know like in the medical world, like um, most people in the medical world are very well-intentioned and really want to help people and, and do the right thing. But, but mm-hmm. with something like that, often people kind of just continue to fall through the cracks. The patients continue to fall through the cracks because you're seeing this person for the gut and this person for the muscle pain and this person for the, maybe the psychiatric or emotional issues. And this person's managing this pill and this person's managing this pill and this person's talking. And it's like, 
who just takes care of me, right? And so I, what I love about this perspective is you're literally you're literally getting information from from all the dimensions simultaneously, including from the patient herself. Correct. On that deeper plane, right? This is, you know, what is it that you need? Right. Yeah, what is it that you need? And they can tell you because they know. Right. And then you can guide them on this sort of conscious plane, this physical plane into something that feels much better for themselves. Yes. Um, and, and, their, and your body is an energetic, you know, your body is an energetic structure. And so when we start to, to heal on those levels, then things start to respond. Yeah. And it just, um, that's it. It's, I am not in this process, in this, um, in this team. And it's really a team approach of, of just being there for that woman um, mm -hmm. and being able to pull everything together. I'm really going into, um, into deep meditation and deep journey and speaking to her deep soul her, what we would call the subconscious soul and getting the answers from her. Yeah. So I'm just able to tap into um, something that she has innately that, that because of everything that's going on, she has trouble tapping in. Um, and then the goal is to teach, you know, to teach her how to do that herself. So, um, but it, it's, I'm really, really excited about it because it allows me to really be present in a way for people and to bring in and to help them create their own team and, and do some yes. really deep intensive stuff. And, um, when you have all the way back to like past lives, yeah. I mean, things that have been helpful for me, like, you know, that recently I've had this, all this past life stuff come up and, and looking at some yeah. patterns that have been present through multiple lifetimes for me that once you realize the pattern, it's like, oh, well, duh, that's why I feel the way that I do. And just that knowledge and being able to offer that to someone else too. So it's, it's all the things. And um, yeah, I'm really, really excited. And it's also meant to work in conjunction with medicine. Like yes. I, it, it's not a, it's not a substitute for, it's like, I understand medicine and I want you to, to talk to your doctors and I'm happy to talk to them too. And while you're doing that, we're also going to do this. Yeah. Because both are needed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great perspective. And, and what a unique thing, because you have both perspectives. You've worked in the clinical medical world, you've worked in the energetic healing world, and now you're doing the, the shamanistic, the shamanistic practices and the, the deeper spirit work. And so to bring all those together in this, this really beautiful uh, healing hybrid model is pretty amazing well, the, for your clients. And the most important thing too, is that I've done it myself. Like, that's it. Like the, it, like the value of knowing um, how challenging the road can be, but also how worthwhile it is if you really dig in and do the work like yeah. because, because I've done it. Um, yes. And, and, and so I, I'm speaking from experience too, which I think is, is, validating for people. Well, that's the it's biggest like, piece. Hey, I get it. I know exactly how you feel yeah. in there, you know, that's the biggest credential you can have. Right. Um, the biggest testimonial you have is your own experience. Right. right. Um, so this is, yeah, it's a great segue into, so you, you can't, you discovered this ability when you were young, you really stepped into it, you know, to a degree um, that was pretty extreme at the beginning. You've kind of, you know, found ways to do the work over time. Um, and so your work obviously has evolved and transformed over time. But what I really would like to, for you to share is now, how have you transformed? Like what is, what has happened to you as a person as a result of really stepping in? Yeah. Um, the first word that I hear is that I've softened. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I'm like a type A overachiever and I have been my whole life. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why the Whole Foods episode happened is because I type a overachieved at the spirit work. Yeah. I mean, I was going to hit it and hit it hard. You know, it's like, I've, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be the best at it. And I'm going to, I got to quick get it up and running because I got to be of service and I've got to do this, that, and the other. And, you know, spirit was like, uh, no boop <laughs> reset button. Yeah. So, um, I think that I, um, I think that this work, um, in being connected to spirit and also being, in the transformation and healing process myself um, has really softened me um, in a way that of allowing and being more um, willing to surrender um, yeah. and allow for things to just unfold instead of um, trying to cram something into the way that I think it should look and just being able to sit back and let it unfold and understand that I'm safe. And as long as I, follow my intuition and I tap into spirit and, and I honor my human self too, that everything's going to be okay. 
and trusting the messages that come from spirit. I'm kind of putting those words in your mouth, but I've been here for a lot of this journey with you. So, yeah. uh, and we both, we both talk about that. Like we get the messages yeah, and you always have choice as to what to do with them. Yes. But it's really that trust level that, that surrender yes. you know, to that, um, that is so powerful. Yeah, it is powerful. And you know, it's, it, it's, it's always challenging because spirit um, speaks in metaphor most of the time. Um, so they'll give beautiful images and metaphor and they are never wrong. Spirit is never, spirit has never lied to me. They have never been wrong, but my interpretation has been wrong sometimes yeah. or it's been, it's been off. So um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's constant, constantly checking in and balancing and trust. And so when, when you, when you understand that spirit is always has your best interest at heart and they are um, never wrong and they're always compassionate and guiding you towards um, your highest truth and you give up the need to know mm-hmm. and you surrender your ego. Um, that's really where the sweet spot is. And it's just, it's a constant practice. You know, it's, it's a constant practice. Yes. Yes. Cause in the end you are human and yeah. are encouraged and to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really it's, it, it can be, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel exhausting, but really, truly there's no other way to be. It's like, once you've seen it, you can't go back to not seeing it. You can't unsee what you've seen. That's the right. That's the displacement. Once you're, once you're on the path, you're on the path. There's, you can go back, but it's like, no, but I know this other world. It's like, it's like being Alice. You've gone through the looking glass. It's like, well, that's there, but I'm just going to go back to the looking glass and try to forget it. You can't, right? Yeah, you can't forget it. Once you've entered Narnia, there's yeah. no, there's no forgetting Narnia, right? Oh, Narnia. I love Narnia. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you've seen Narnia, then there's no, like, that's where your heart is. Like, you know, that that's, that's where you got to be. So, right. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I've been tra- transformed in that way. I've been softened. And the other thing too, it's like, now I can see that even in the darkest, what seemed like the darkest hours, um, I've been there enough to know that what happens right after the darkness is beautiful light. Um, so before when I was stuck in darkness and stuck in my own crap, it, you, you just can't even see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but now I've done it enough to know that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm like in the fetal position crying and also be like, Oh, thank God that this is happening because I know what's right around the corner is amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. I had that that experience as well. This the sort of whole this Buddhist concept of nirvana by way of samsara and this, you know, no mud, no lotus, all these these sayings. And I sort of I early in my journey took it as okay, I just have to work through all this, you know, this muck to get to the really good stuff. Mm-hmm. But what you realize is that's a constant unfolding practice. There's mud, <laughs> right. then there's the lotus. Then there's the mud, then there's the lotus. Then there's the mud, then there's the lotus, and then there's the mud, then yeah. there's the lotus. It's, it's just constant thing. unfolding. Yeah, it's a phoenix, phoenix rising. The phoenix rises and then immediately turns, burns itself up and turns to ash again. You start and then all rises again. Yes. Yeah, it's a constant <laughs> thing. So once you recognize that, the, 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 the peaks and valleys of life start to make a lot more sense. And, yes. and um, that's helpful. So, so I did, I, you know, as is customary with the format of the show, I, I did a journey for you ahead of, ahead of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you'll, you'll offer a reading, uh, as we move through this piece, but, but, um, I was basically, I was shown three symbols. And so I'm just going to say, I'll say one, you, you tell me what it means to you or, or whatever comes to you. And then okay. we'll go to the next one. Okay? okay. Um, and so the first symbol I was shown was the sword. Okay. Yeah. The sword. That's interesting. Um, I, I've been curious about the sword because I, um, <sighs> This I've, I've said this before, I believe, and I've been told by spirit that we're in a spiritual war. Um, and, um, you know, as we move from the age of materialism to the age of spirit and all of these things that are happening in our society are cropping up because of this and all of the things that are no longer serving us as humans are starting to die and they're not going down without a fight. And I feel like being this light warrior, I have to have a sword. Like I felt like that up until this point. But recently I've been really curious about like, and I just had this conversation the other day. It's like, but why, why even bear the sword? Like why, why even get involved in the fight? Like it, there, there's no point to like, just set the sword down and just walk the path of light and be the light and wait for, and, and other people who are ready for the light will then, will then follow suit. And that's how you grow the light. Um, not that protection isn't needed, 
Um, but protection doesn't have to happen with actually turning around and, and, and fighting with a sword. Yeah. You know, it's, or if you were to interpret the sword a different way, what would the sword be that you would, that you would choose to use? Oh gosh. Um, I, I'm just seeing the sword. I'm seeing uh, cord cutting, uh, yeah. energetic cord cutting of anything that's tying me to something that's not serving me. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Like not, not cutting other people, but cutting my own limitations. Yeah. Well, that's the way of liberation, right? It's you're already free. Right. It's cutting, it's cutting yourself free of the delusion that you're not already free. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it's those cords that keep us, that often keep us stuck. Yeah. Um, awesome. The second symbol was the shield. Oh gosh. Um, same thing. I mean, I, I literally was having this conversation um, with, again, my friend Ronnie, cause we were talking about doing like a sisterhood photo shoot. And initially I was going and looking for, we wanted it to be just like really fun and fantastic and fantastical and magical. And, and I was looking at like, what would I wear as this like goddess warrior of light, you know, like how could I be Artemis, you know, incarnate. <laughs> and, um, and I was on Etsy, like looking for shields and, and, and <laughs> armor and swords and all these kinds of things. And, um, and then I was like, wait, but, but why, why, like, there's a softening that's happened within me. Yes. You know, there's a softening that's happened and, um, the need for the shield is, is not as great. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's okay to just be you and let, and let what I came to with that and what Ronnie and I were talking about is like just being us and who we are very simply without having to fit into the mold of being a warrior um, is, is actually way more powerful. So the shield, so the shield, as you soften the shield that you would then bear would, would be what, what is the level of protection that, that you use? Um, I think the shield, the word I'm hearing is awareness. Yeah. It's, it's more of a being aware of, um, instead of an actual physical shield, it's being aware of, um, who and what I'm letting into my life. Yeah. Uh, so instead of actually taking the effort to put them away, it's like with a shield, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to be aware of, um, what's coming at me and what I'm going to allow in and, and what I'm not going to allow in. Yeah. So the transformation goes from a sword as a weapon of destruction to a weapon or to a, um, to a vehicle of light. Mm-hmm. And the shield goes from something having to really defend and, and, and protect yourself. And as I often talk about resistance yeah. in various ways to, uh, to the shield of awareness, right? Yes. And, and what, a, yeah. what a transformation that is to go in that space. Um, the third, the third, the first two objects were shown to me by my power animal in the journey. Okay. The third object was shown to me by your dad mm-hmm. and the, yeah. And, and the object is a, the symbol is a feather. Okay. Oh, he loved birds. Yeah. He loved birds and I love birds too. And it's so funny. I mean, I know you and I talk about this a lot about how much birds mean to us, um, and how the, I mean, when I go for my, for my walks and, um, I, I, I always, you know, without fail, if I need a message, it's brought to me by a blue jay or a cardinal or a hawk, or I've even seen an owl in the middle of the day, which is really super important. Um, and feathers are really important to me and birds just in general. And, um, but yet I've never thought of them as being my dad. But when you say that my dad mm-hmm. freaking loved, I mean, there are bird stories with my dad for days. I mean, for days about how much he loved birds. And it was this big thing between him and his sister, his only sibling, because she hated birds and she was terrified of them, but he loved them. So it was this like sibling thing too, you know, but now I'm thinking, well, gosh, okay, well, birds are so important to me and they were really important to him too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really cool. his first bird, um, the first bird, well, it's not the first bird that he got, but the, um, what the first bird that he got that I remember um, was this little parakeet, this little white parakeet with blue markings on him. And he called him, his name was putter because dad was really into golf at the time. So it was like the club putter. Yeah. So it was, it was putter, the parakeet that sat up on the, on the refrigerator. So yeah. I, I mean, he just, and this is a grown man who wanted, and we didn't, nobody in the house wanted the bird, <laughs> just him. Yeah. And that's it. So, but he was reliving his childhood dream of having, having another parakeet. So he went and got putter. <laughs> yeah. Well, this makes sense. I mean, the, the image I saw was you 
you know, and we've talked a lot about this, but you really, and, and for those who don't know, I mean, Peyton's dad struggled with health issues for much of his life, for most of his life, pretty much all of his life. Autoimmune. Um, I mean, he had got diabetes when he was seven. Autoimmune. He was seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and, and often you, you talk about in a, in a sort of a bittersweet way, how you often were the one who were tasked with taking care of him, making sure his blood sugars were okay, making sure his, he was getting what he needed to eat. And, and you really probably took a lot on yourself as well as a, as a caretaker. And so, you know, he, he showed me kind of that, that journey of you taking care of him and, and the, the symbol of the feather. Now it appears it was kind of like, it's his way of giving back. It's his way of saying, look, I'm here, I'm here for you now. Um, and so that seems really, really powerful. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm glad he showed up for you. He was, he was a really cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. When he loves you a great deal and, and continues to, as we know, he often shows up in journey for, for when I journey for you, he often shows up. And then when you, of course, journey on things that are personal to you, he often, he often comes as well. Yeah. Did he try to boss you around? He likes to do that too. No, <laughs> no, it was, there was the scene and then there was the, the feather kind of drifted down and that's what I saw. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, yeah. So now I, I turn you, I turn the uh, table a little bit and say, okay, now it's your opportunity to offer. Yeah. A reading. Um, so I had a couple of things that I was thinking about, but um, ultimately I think um, what I want to share is an image that came in for me this morning during meditation. And I was thinking about um, in meditation, my mind was kind of drifting and I was, you know, as I'm creating this, um, this shift in my business to really do helping the women with autoimmune disease, um, I've been working with my business coach to kind of get a clearer vision, a clearer picture of what that looks like. And, um, and so this was the vision that came in this morning and it was really powerful. So um, it was an image of a, of a clear glass that was completely full with clear water. Um, and it was connected to um, the well of life, the well of spirit, never ending source, always, um, always available to fill the glass. And that's how we're born into the world. Every human is born in as this, you know, glass that's full and crystal clear and perfect and connected to the infinite source, the infinite well. Yeah. And as we grow, um, and especially women, um, and especially, you know, American women, um, but women in general, as we grow, um, and experience life as humans, we are, we feel as if um, either through what we're learning from our parents or through societal norms that we have to um, fit, uh, fit all of that energy, all of that beautiful, pure crystal energy into a different glass. Um, or we have to give from our glass to other people. So it's, it's this, we start as full and connected to source. And then over time, you know, we were like, oh, but I should look like this glass. So I'm going to pour myself into this glass. And in the, in the pouring of the water from one glass to another, um, inevitably some water gets spilled and you lose a little bit of that source energy and you get further away from the well. <clears throat> or, oh my gosh, I've got to be everything for everyone. So here, have some water. You're thirsty. Oh, here you have some water. You're thirsty. And we get, we're, we're going out and out and out away from the well to serve other people. And we're getting yeah. depleted and we're also getting further away from the source. Yeah. And eventually what happens over time is, um, is the, the, the glass starts to get old and cracked and break. And that's, symbolic of, you know, our bodies, if we're not replenished, we're always giving and we're not replenishing and we're not connected from that infinite source, um, connected to that infinite source, then eventually we find an empty glass um, that is continues to try to give from an empty glass. And then, yes. then the glass starts to break down and that's what happens to our bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really, in order to heal, um, it's getting back to um, getting back to the well to refill, um, getting back to your original glass that you were mm -hmm. born in. Yeah, it's a beautiful image. Um, and yeah, and and um, understanding that it's just as important to receive as it is to give. I don't think women are most women I know are not comfortable with receiving anything. They just feel like they've got to give, 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 um, and so. Yeah, that was just kind of the image that I had. So it's, you know, to, to come back around, if you're listening to this and you're feeling depleted and you're feeling like 
you have nothing left to give, but yet you're being asked to give more and more. The first thing you've got to do is replenish, replenish, like get back to the well, you know, get connected back to that source again. Yes. Start to allow yourself to receive. Um, So, and if I could be any help guiding people that in that direction, that would be an honor and a privilege. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's amazing. I know you have such a passion for it. And what I know that you will variably allow yourself to realize you have a real talent for it, a real a gift. For Thank that. you. Um, so what is the, for, for people who are listening, who are interested in maybe in um, um, intuition in general and in, in ways of spirit, accessing spirit, spiritual messages, uh, people who might want an intuitive reading, from you or to, to, to explore this deeper possibility of work, what's the best way for them to, to reach you, to get a hold of you, to find out more information? Yeah, absolutely. Email is the best way. It's Peyton at PeytonHTurner.com. And it's P-E-Y-T-O-N, H is in Henry, T-U-R-N-E-R.com. I'm also on Instagram at Peyton Turner Intuitive and on Facebook as well. I think that's going to be shifting. Yeah, as be continued to be continued, but, but as of right now, that's where I can be found. And, um, yeah. And I, and I use those, you know, I, I struggle with social media because I just do. I mean, I think a lot of people do, but, um, but I, what I've trying to see it as a way to be of service. It was a way as a way to, I really put a lot of intention around everything that I post in, um, in Instagram and Facebook. And I always try to say to myself, is this going to be of service? I mean, if the answer is yes, then it goes up. And if the answer is no, then it doesn't. So um, it is social media and it has its limitations, but I really, the intention I put behind that is, is to be a service. And also I've got a YouTube channel where this is going to be, and then, you know, and an iTunes podcast and all that good stuff too. So yeah, it's great. And, and so of course we'll have those things in the show notes. And of course this is Peyton's show. So anytime you need to, to hear more, you can always access the show and yeah. as her, as her, um, uh, contact information, her website, get upgraded and, and updated and possibly even to new, new horizons, uh, that information will continue to be available in those ways. That's right. Oh, awesome. Great job. It's, it's not easy to, um, to have the tables turned on you, uh, and to be, <laughs> to be the subject of, of your own, of your own, uh, sort of method of inquiry. So, yeah. um, great job. And, and thank you for allowing me to be the one to absolutely to, to do that. Thank you so much. And I'll close this out and I'll say thank you everybody for listening. Um, this has been a real pleasure um, for me and um, yeah. And just a real honor to sit in this space with Peter. So um, check us out on all the things and all the places. Uh, my name is Peyton Turner. This is uh, Pete Buker, and we are both into it. <laughs>